Mirror, mirror on the wall. Along with hubble, bubble, toil and trouble, they're probably some of the most famous words associated with magic in popular culture. And mirrors play a huge part in many superstitions, and they're also really useful when you're casting spells or scrying. Let's find out a little bit more about their magic, mythology and folklore in this week's episode. Hello there and welcome to Fabulous Folklore, the podcast for all things folklore, occult and just a bit weird. I'm your host, Icy Sedgwick, blogger, fantasy author and your guide into these rather mysterious realms. I've got some rare things to show you, so come on in, take a look around, but be careful not to touch anything. These things sometimes bite. Well, hello there and welcome back to Fabulous Folklore with me, your host, Icy Sedgwick. We are into July now and we are going to be having a look this month at... It was originally going to be the folklore of everyday objects and it's kind of morphed into the folklore of intangible things. So this week we're going to be having a look at mirrors and how they appear in magic, mythology and folklore. And then next week we're going to then have a look at what reflections mean. So it's kind of like a two-parter in this particular episode. Incidentally, when I say the folklore of everyday objects, I am actually in the process of planning an oracle deck. And if you've ever seen oracle decks online, you'll know what I mean. If you haven't, they're a little bit like tarot decks, but instead of people being able to pick them up and know the meanings across like every deck, like the four of swords is always the four of swords. In an oracle deck, they depend much more on the individual author's intention and so on and I am actually planning a folklore related one around everyday objects so if you're interested in hearing more about that please do sign up for my email list the link is below and it's where it says about if you want to sign up to get my guide to protecting your home with folklore if you sign up for that at that link and it says icysedgwick.com forward slash fab hyphen folklore I'll be able to let you know about the oracle deck as it proceeds as it were but anyway on with this week's episode. So as I say, we are looking at mirrors. They are quite interesting in many ways. And I do genuinely think that one of the reasons why people see them as being so creepy is because they're linked to ideas around the double. And this is something that we're going to explore a little bit more closely with the reflection next week. And there is obviously the age-old practice of covering mirrors in a home where a death had occurred. Some people worried that the soul may become trapped in the mirror, unable to leave the house and then pass on into the next world. Now, I must admit, I had always thought that was quite a long-standing superstition and like an old belief. But according to Jacqueline Simpson and Steve Rowd, the first known reference to this is actually in 1786 in Orkney. And most of the recorded instances in England actually happen in the northern counties. So it's actually not necessarily as old as I thought it was, although that may be due to the fact that not everybody would have had mirrors so perhaps it dates to a period when mirrors were more easily accessible because they would be quite expensive if you think about it and obviously there are references to people covering mirrors in the rooms of sick people which is obviously a way to try and make sure that the soul doesn't get lured out of the body and then trapped in the mirror. So obviously they've got a fairly creepy reputation to start with just with this idea that they can capture souls either when you're still alive but ill or if you've actually died. Now, they do appear, as you might imagine, because most things on this podcast do, they do appear in mythology. And Vulcan, the Roman blacksmith god of fire, made a magic mirror that would show the past, the present and the future. He did, however, also make one for his wife, Venus, who was goddess of love. 
And rather than using it to help her in her goddessly duties, she actually used it to hide what she was doing so that she could carry on our affair with Mars, the god of war, behind Vulcan's back. So that one, perhaps not necessarily that useful. And obviously Perseus is probably the first one that would spring to mind when you think about mirrors in mythology. Now, clearly he didn't have an actual mirror. He just had a very highly polished shield and it acted as a mirror. And he uses this to defeat Medusa because no one can look directly at Medusa and live to tell the tale because they get turned to stone. If you meet her gaze, incidentally, so instead Perseus never looks at her, only her reflection. Which does mean that his victory over her is actually quite impressive considering the fact he's essentially doing it in reverse. The Aztecs used obsidian to make their mirrors and we are going to come back to Aztec obsidian mirrors in just a second. And in their mythology, they had Tezcatlipoca, who was Lord of the Smoking Mirror, and he actually wore a black mirror on his chest. And this was how his followers could talk to him, because he was actually a god of communication. So in his case, mirrors very, very useful. And even Merlin actually had a magic mirror, although his actually only saw into the future, which could be useful, I guess. And we're going to get into mirror superstitions now. So hanging a mirror opposite a door is supposed to help keep evil entities out of your home or office. And conversely, people do also then hang mirrors sort of inside their front door to help reflect good luck and good fortune back into the home so it doesn't leave and go out the front door. Now, some people do worry about things accessing their home through a mirror. And if you've ever seen the somewhat dreary horror film Oculus, it relies on that very point. If you haven't seen it, save your time. Don't bother. But if it is you and you are worried that a mirror can act as some kind of portal, you can draw protective symbols on the back of your mirrors, and that stops evil forces using them for their nefarious purposes. I did mention Jacqueline Simpson and Steve Rout earlier in the belief about covering mirrors with a cloth, I think it generally is, or sometimes just simply hanging them to their face on the wall when a person's died. There was also a belief that you should cover your mirrors during a thunderstorm. Now, this one actually only dates to 1900, but it would be quite interesting to know the root cause, unless there was somehow some kind of belief that the metal in the back of the mirror, if that would somehow have attracted lightning, and that's why you cover them during a thunderstorm. Now, we can't talk about mirrors and superstitions and not talk about the most obvious one, that breaking a mirror would kick off seven years of bad luck. And interestingly, according to Simpson and Rowd again, the earliest known reference to that actually being unlucky comes from 1777. And the seven years part is not mentioned until the mid-19th century. So previously to that, if you did break a mirror, it would just mean a death in the family or bad luck of some description. There's also the belief that it's unlucky to let a baby see itself in the mirror, which we will have a look at a little bit more next week with reflections. And there's also the idea that if women spend too long, particularly young women, spend too long looking at themselves in the mirror, they will see the devil if they do. Now, I should point out, obviously, with the idea of seven years if you break a mirror, the most prosaic explanation I've come across is simply due to the high cost of mirrors. So again, this might explain why a lot of the mirror superstitions only begin to appear at the end of the 18th century. But the bad luck basically pops up because of how long it would take to save up to buy a new one. We are going to move on because I did obviously call this episode Spells and Scrying and so far we've just done superstitions. But we're going to have a look at scrying now. We have covered a form of scrying already with all the fortune telling and divination episodes that we had earlier in the year. And scrying with mirrors is another way of doing quite a lot of these things. 
And one of the basic ideas around this is that you would see things in the surface, so you would see images. So rather than laying out cards or looking at whatever was in the bottom of a teacup and then deciphering the symbols that way, you actually see things in the surface of a mirror that answer whatever it is that you're trying to find out about. And you can also use them to communicate with higher beings. So Sophie Page explains that in the medieval era, people were considered too unclean to speak to highly evolved beings like angels. And if you look at a lot of medieval magic, there is a lot of a consideration around dealing with angels and so on, as we discovered in the necromancy episode. So these practitioners needed a device that would blur the boundaries between the spiritual and physical realms. So think of this as almost a bridge so that people in the human physical realm can then speak to these glorious beings of light in the spiritual realm. And mirrors were just one of those devices. And basically any shiny surface would do, although it does mean it's a lot harder to know what was used for magic specifically and what wasn't. Because if somebody was, for example, looking into a lake or a sword, there's no way of knowing if they were using household things for everyday objects or if they were using natural things. But one of the most famous of these mirrors is the Obsidian Scrying Mirror owned by Dr. John Dee. And this was apparently from the Aztec civilization that then passed into his possession. And this is what I meant about Aztec mirrors and obsidian. And there is a photo of that on my blog, which you can find at icysedgwick.com forward slash mirror hyphen spells. However, Page also notes the existence of a lesser known magic mirror called the Mirror of Floron. And this was a highly polished mirror of pure steel. And for this one, you would follow the prescribed ritual to trap the demon Floron in the mirror. And once he did, he would then appear apparently in the form of an armed knight sitting on a horse and then he would tell you everything that you wanted to know about the past, present and future. And this was essentially a form of divination similar to necromancy where you're finding answers from supernatural beings. And this mirror comes from Arabic magical traditions, which again is something that a lot of the medieval magic that we have in Europe originally comes from Arabic sources, which is very important to note. And scrying is probably one of the more famous ways that people use mirrors in a magical sense. And Doreen Valiente, in her classic Witchcraft for Tomorrow, talks about the so-called magic mirror. Now, despite the name, it is essentially a piece of glass with the back coated in black enamel paint, because let's face it, that's going to be a lot easier to get hold of than a slice of obsidian. And other practitioners would use the so-called traditional material of Stockholm tar, which is essentially the material used to tar the hull of old sailing ships. I can't help thinking black enamel paint, probably again, easier to get hold of. And the way it works is people stare at their own reflection until they start to see images in the mirror. Some people watch the reflections of flames and it's kind of the, the abstract nature of it means you start to see symbols. It's basically anything to relax the mind and that's the point when things start to appear in the mirror. There are many, many theories as to why this might be, but we haven't got time to deal with them here. Now, there are various methods for making magic mirrors, and I've seen one which is just simply leaving an ordinary mirror out under moonlight overnight, and then you sprinkle a magical infusion of cold mugwort tea over the surface. And mugwort is a herb traditionally used to help boost psychic powers, so it's quite a good choice here. You should keep the mirror covered when not in use. But if you want a dark mirror, as the one that Valiente was talking about, she recommends a concave surface and you should clean it before you paint it, which is just a good idea because it'll help the paint stick. And three coats of your black substance should do the trick, but obviously let it dry between coats for maximum results. She's very strict about not exposing the surface to light because it would, and I quote, destroy the mirror sensitivity. 
end quote. Although, to be fair, she does also quite dryly point out that it will gather dust if you do leave it out. So she suggests various different frames and boxes that you can use between uses. And along with scrying mirrors, Valiente also discusses the use of ordinary mirrors to make magic. And here she recommends the use of a mirror that's just big enough to reflect your face. And you should light candles, one either side of the mirror, and incense if you prefer. And then concentrate on the reflection of your eyes. Visualise what it is that you want and then try to see that in the space beyond the reflected eyes, which is a bit of a strange concept, but I'm sure you can kind of see where I'm going with that. You whisper what it is that you want three times and then voila, you cast a mirror spell. Just please be careful what you wish for. You might be going, oh my God, what do I do if I break a magic mirror? No harm, no foul, apparently. Scott Cunningham advises that you collect all the bits, put them in a jar, dust and all, and then put it on your windowsill somewhere sunny because it then reflects negative energies away from your house, which I think is quite lovely, the fact that you can then just use it for another helpful purpose. And mirrors also often appear within protection magic as well. Maybe you feel that you're psychically under attack or there's just a lot of crap coming your way. Using mirrors in rituals can then help to direct it back to the sender. And empaths sometimes visualise themselves encased in mirrors to stop tapping into the energies around them. Now this idea of using mirrors to direct energy back to people also shows the idea that you can use them to focus energy as well. And you've probably seen the scene in The Mummy in from 1999 when they first enter the treasure store. And Rachel Weiss's character moves a mirror and then it reflects sunlight from outside. The sunlight bounces all around the chamber and lights it all up in a way that only Hollywood can provide. Some people think that mirrors work a similar way within spells. So if you wanted to harness the power of the sun or moon, reflecting the energy would be a good way to do it. I would obviously point out, be careful if you're directing sunlight anywhere. Just, you know, come on, common sense, people. And as we're talking about it, I'm guessing that the mirrors and magic is probably what you came here for. So let's get into a few other spells that you can do. And if you are going to use mirrors for magical purposes, don't use ordinary mirrors around the house. Pick a special mirror and only uncover it during magical work and do not use regular cleaning products on it. Plain water or a soft cloth will do the job. So what spells can you cast with mirrors? I'm going to add a caveat. If you do decide to do any of these, please be mindful of other people. Don't cause harm just for the sake of it. And, you know, think about being sensible. So if you decide that you want a new job, maybe don't decide that you want to have Jeff Bezos's job because that's just a bit unrealistic. If you decide that you need money, think about it, where it might come from. So, you know, you may not want to inherit it from the death of your favourite aunt. And also think about the fact that, you know, again, need, not greed. So if you've said, they go, I want a million dollars or what do you want a million dollars for? So think about all these things before you start, please. Anyway, I've got a simple multi-purpose mirror spell for you. And this one is adapted from Earth Power by Scott Cunningham. And generally what you need to do is decide what it is that you need in your life. Again, be realistic, please. And choose a pair of candles in colour sympathetic to your goal. So you might use green for money, pink for love, blue for healing. There are set correspondences that people always talk about and you will get things like blue for healing and so on. Next, you need to find a lipstick and then draw something that represents your need on the mirror. So just stick to common symbols. So you might use a pound sign or a dollar sign or something like that, whatever the symbol for the money is in your country. Or you might use a heart for love and so on. You know, you get the idea. And then you need to try and draw it over where your face is in the reflection. And then let your eyes unfocus slightly so that your reflection and the symbols start to merge. 
close your eyes and then imagine what it would be like once this need has been met. Or you might picture yourself putting down a deposit on a new house or you might picture yourself having a really jolly time in the park with your new partner or you might picture yourself without the cast on your leg or something like that, you know what I mean? Pick something that's related to what it is that your need is and then what it would look like when it's been met. And then once you can see it in your mind's eye really clearly, cover the mirror and then go and do something else. And then in the morning you can wipe the symbol away and just basically be patient. We're going to have a look at a speedy glamour spell. Now this one probably would have been way more useful before we all started doing everything on Zoom. But And I have found variations of this spell in different places and it's pretty basic. But why not give it a go anyway? Because the, the most harm this one will do is it'll make you feel a bit better. And I quite like the idea that you're working something purely to make yourself feel better. And I think that's fine. So if you're having a rotten hair day, you just want to look a bit better. Get yourself in front of a mirror and any mirror will do for this one. And this would explain a lot of the way I've seen people behaving in the, in the gym, if I'm completely honest. So instead of focusing on how you look right now, visualise how you want to be seen. So see that instead of your reflection. And then once you feel completely confident, away you go. And you've just cast a really, really simple glamour spell. If you are interested in the idea of glamouring and things like that, and also fairy glamours as well, please let me know and I will do an episode on that in the future. And I just want you to remember with all the things that we've talked about, so we've looked at mythological mirrors that help people to either conceal what they're doing or defeat monsters and talk to their followers. We've got people using mirrors for scrying so they can talk to angels, so they can talk to demons even, so they can find out answers to things or they can see whatever it is that they need to know in a mirror surface. And then we've got people casting spells with mirrors as well, either to get something that they want in their life or just generally to feel better. So mirrors basically work because they reflect things. And that might sound like a really obvious point and you're probably sitting there going, uh, duh, I know. So mirrors reflect things, whether they're things that are, things that were, or things that will be. So look at Perseus able to defeat Medusa by not even having to look at her because he can look at her in his mirror instead. So it's not the real Medusa he's looking at. It's just simply her reflection. Or they also act as doors. So look at the followers of Tezcatlipoca are able to speak to him through his obsidian mirror. Or look at John Dee speaking to angels through his. So what you need to do is decide if your mirror is a reflector or a portal and then choose wisely. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. Like I say, next week we're going to have a look at what reflections mean in folklore. So that's going to be more of a folklore related episode whereas this one's being focused a little bit more on magical practices so I hope you don't mind let me know which one which type of episode you prefer and like I said last week Fabulous Folklore is eligible for the Listener's Choice Awards in the British Podcast Awards so if you go to britishpodcastawards.com forward slash vote simply search for Fabulous Folklore and then you can stick a vote in and that will be marvellous you might be wondering why you'd bother it's just basically a good way of raising awareness about the podcast which means that I can bring it to more people and we can share this kind of stuff more easily. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I hope you're looking forward to next week's on reflections, and then after that we're going to have a look at numbers in folklore, and then we're going to round off July with shadows. So we are very much looking at quite intangible things that you can't really get your hands on properly. So with no further ado, I hope you have a marvellous week ahead, and I will see you soon. Cheerio! Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. 
If you did, feel free to subscribe using whichever podcast app it is that you prefer. If you do use iTunes, if you could leave me a review, that would be fab. Basically, it just means iTunes are more likely to recommend this to other people. And if you're interested in more folklore, please feel free to swing by my blog, which is www.icsedgwick.com, and that's Sedgwick spelled S-E-D-G-W-I-C-K. And you can find all of the links, images, and other bits and pieces that hopefully you enjoy. So have an absolutely fab week ahead, and I'll see you soon. Cheerio!